Legend in My Spare Time contains themes and subjects that may not be suitable for everyone listening. If you're easily offended, we suggest you get your podcast on elsewhere. This is Carl Weathers, and you're listening to Legend in My Spare Time Podcast. Hey, this is Brett the Hitman Hart, and you're listening to the Spare Time Legends Podcast Network. Listen good. All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to a special edition of your favorite podcaster's favorite podcast, Legend in My Spare Time. Make sure you give us that follow on Twitter, at Legend Podcast, and use the hashtag L-I-M-S-T, please. Now... Longtime listeners will know this show started as me, a musician, sitting down with other musicians discussing the adventures we found ourselves in, the things that happen to you when you're in a band and you're making music for a living. Well, a little while ago, my wife Rachel and I went to Cardiff to see a Blues Brothers act, and my goodness, were these boys smoking hot. Now, you'll all know I'm a longtime Blues Brothers fan and a music snob, so I go into it skeptical, this live show. But within a few seconds, these guys had me, and what a great time we had. You'll hear me in the show talk about and kind of gush a little bit how good the show was. But my goodness, I am not exaggerating. What a fun show. Check out thebluesbrothers.co.uk, and if they are anywhere near you, they are worth every penny, every moment you will spend traveling there. I got up and danced, and I do not dance. So just keep that in mind, okay, ladies and gentlemen? Now, I sat down with Chris, a.k.a. Joliet Jake Blues. We had a great talk. We went on for like an hour and a half, I think, because we were just kind of having a good time talking music, talking blues, talking performance, both being musicians, of course. It was fantastic, and he promised to come back again soon. So check out my talk with Chris, a.k.a. Joliet Jake Blues, from the Chicago Blues Brothers, Europe's finest Blues Brothers tribute act. I don't even like using tribute act because I feel like they're too good for that. What a fantastic show. Here's my chat. Check them out, thebluesbrothers.co.uk. And, oh, please don't forget, August 31st, right here in South Wales, Pontypool, Matt Lees versus Cancer, a live show, a live musical performance in aid of the Valindra Cancer Center every single penny we raise on that night. We'll go to the Valindra Cancer Center, the very spot where I had my treatments and my chemotherapy so close to my heart. Help us out if you can. Justgiving.co.uk slash fundraising slash Matt Lee's music. That's if you can't make it, but you still maybe want to help out and throw us a couple of bucks. That'd be fantastic. Thank you very much. That's August 31st, Pawnee Pool, Matt Lee's versus Cancer. Check it out on Facebook, Twitter, all over the place. All right, enough out of me. Here we are, me and Chris, Jake Blues, Bluesbrothers.co.uk touring near you soon. Check them out, and here's our chat. Very good. Uh, thanks for thanks for agreeing to do this, man. That's really cool. Hey, no problem at all. Uh, let me first get the fanboy thing out of the way. I saw your show in Cardiff. Uh, and it was fucking rad. It was very, very, very cool. I had an awesome time. I even danced, and I don't dance. <laughs> it, it got you that bad, did it? You actually, you actually got up and had a dance. I actually got up and shook a tail feather. Oh, that's brilliant! I like to hear that. Yeah, uh, honestly, such a such a great time. Cause you, you hear like you hear like tribute act, and you know sometimes you'll go, oh, really? Really? But you guys, within minutes, you had me. The band was fucking rocking. You guys were great. And within a few moments, that whole tribute act of one of my favorite bands thing went away, and I was watching the Blues Brothers. 
Oh, thank you very much. That's really nice. Yeah, no, no problem. And and the joke right away about the accents, killer. It was such a good time, man. Yeah, you've got to get that over, mate. Because uh, the thing is, if you try and do it, if you, you could try and do a false accent continuously, at some point you're going to slip out of it. Yeah. Unless, unless you keep it really scripted, which we don't. Right. So uh, we just we we just get that out of the way straight away. We're not American. Um, we're English, but we uh, we'll have a, we'll have a go at a dodgy accent for you. Yeah, it's it's such a such a good show. Um, I, I read a little bit about you and uh, obviously professionally trained uh, opera singer. Yeah, is that is that that was what you studied? Am I right in that? Yeah, I didn't I didn't sing opera, um, and, and I didn't I didn't practice singing opera. What what I actually did was I um, I went to a guy in York. So have you ever been to York, Matt? No, not myself. So York, York, it's obviously surrounded by a wall. It's a, it's a fortified city, um, and and in the in the towers, in some of the walls, people have offices and things like that. And there's a guy in there, not sure if he's still there because it's quite a few years ago, called Michael De Costa, and he he was quite famous for teaching opera singers and training opera singers, and it was something I did just to strengthen my voice. Uh, and really bring my voice on. It was never a passion. Right. Uh, so I used to just study it with, with Michael, and it, it sort of brought my voice on leaps and bounds. Yeah, wonderful. And how do, like, it's it, that's great. How do you go from that to a Blues Brothers act, which is such a cool thing to do? Well, we, we sang, myself and Gareth, who plays El, Elwood, we sang in all kinds of different bands and tributes. And right. we used to sing in a, a Motown and, and soul show called The Sensations. So we, we, we've got, I've got a, a real love for all kinds of music, to be honest. I don't just, it's not just blues. Mm -hmm. I love Motown. I love rock and roll. I love, I love it. I love most things apart from Justin Bieber. I'm not, not a fan of Justin Bieber. Oh, hey, neither am I, my friend. <laughs> Especially being a Canadian musician myself, the amount of times I heard, can you play some Bieber? And I want to say, get the hell away from the stage. Yeah, but not oh, good. Oh, he, he doesn't represent me as a, as a Canadian, so just to put it good, out there. Good to hear. <clears throat> Sorry. And, um, you know, when you do a show that's that cool, I think something that's really important is the band behind you. Because, you know, you don't want, uh, you don't want, when especially blues music, but especially the Blues Brothers, you need a tight Blues Brothers band. Uh, now, the evening, especially when I saw you, these boys were tight. And one of my favorite things was they didn't play their own interpretation of these blues songs. They played the Blues Brothers songs. So when you did different songs, uh, the guitar player on the night uh, played Matt Guitar Murphy's solos. Yeah. Is it, hmm? Please go ahead. Yes, yeah, sir. Yeah, sorry, mate. Go ahead. John, John's a phenomenal. John, John, who, who's our guitarist currently, he's he's phenomenal. And John, John was with us back in the, when we first started with the band about six years ago. John was the guitarist then. He's only recently come back to us, but John sits in really well with the rhythm section, and he and he does play it as it should be played. Yeah, and is and how much fun is he having? I mean, you all are. Especially John, yeah. how much fun is he having on stage? Like I, it was infectious. I was having fun watching his guitar faces and how much fun and how much they're enjoying themselves. Yeah, it, it, you know when when we first started with the show, we, we we were rehearsing the show and we were doing it in a. It was like a little little garage really, 
And John came along and he, he auditioned for the show. And as soon as we met him, we thought, great, he's, he's a really cool guy, he's John. Um, and unfortunately, the, the, the band and the show didn't quite start as quickly as we wanted wanted it to. And he ended up leaving us to go play in a Queen tribute. So he played he played as Brian May for quite a few years. Right. But back in the day when he was a younger man, he was in a band, they had a record deal, they toured the world, and, you know, he's, he's, it's so good to have him back with us because he is a phenomenal player, and he's not... You can get some quite selfish guitar players, I'm sure, as a musician, you know that. And oh, yeah. You can, and he, and he, he does not... He's not like that at all. He is purely and utterly sits right in with the rhythm section, but he brings such a... An energy to the stage. It's just fab to have him back. Yeah, it's it, he's like uh, I compare him almost like to to like a, a puppy when the puppy's in the little little cage and he's really excited to get out because there was a tune where you leaned over to him and you said, "Do you want to get in on this?" And he was just like a he started it almost like he started barking and he ran to the front of the stage and played it in <laughs> a, a great solo. And then, like you sort of were alluding to there, just disappeared it back into the background and just went right back yeah. into the rhythm. And what a band. I mean, it must be really cool. Uh, but also maybe, also as a fellow musician, a little bit nerve-wracking because this uh, I'm a musician where I can play on my own. I can do I do a lot of different things, but I can do originals. So worst case, I can pick up a guitar and I can just stand on stage and go, yep, Matt's live tonight. Uh, with this yeah. kind of a thing, you need everybody. You need everybody on point. You need everybody as passionate as you are, because I know you're sort of the the to make a wrestling metaphor. You're the Vince McMahon behind the whole deal. So I feel like maybe you've got a lot more uh, invested, but you need them to be emotionally invested too. Is that nerve wracking yeah. to need to rely on such a big group? Do you know something? We do. There is occasions with the band where you know we we are booking the the show is booking into 2020 already. But there is occasions where we have to, you know, sometimes replace, we have to put a depth saxophone player in or a depth trumpet player in or something like that. Yeah. That is nerve-wracking. With the current lineup and with the full the full lineup as it stands, it's not nerve-wracking at all because they it, it is about having fun. I don't know I don't know anyone who couldn't have fun with this kind of show and music. So it, it and it's 2 hours of of it's not even work, Matt. To be honest, it's just two hours of having fun. Oh yeah, and you can tell. It's you can definitely tell that too. And that's the same wherever we play, whether it's to, I mean, with fifty people or to, you know, the the biggest audience we've played to. We played an arena show in Poland, and we did about eight thousand people. You know, and and it's just it's exactly the same. Everyone get whether it's fifty people or seven thousand, eight thousand people. They get the same energy and they get the same level of commitment from us. Yeah, it's 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 it really is. I mean, it sounds like we're shilling now, but I'm being genuinely honest when I say how much fun the show was. Uh, oh, I really appreciate that. And uh, obviously, we we would be remiss if we didn't mention obviously the very recent passing of Matt Guitar Murphy. Uh, and I don't mind telling you when my wife showed me that story in bed. I shed a tear because I've spent a lot of time listening to the Blues Brothers music and Matt Guitar Murphy, and that was a really, really hard one for me. As I get older, I'm losing a lot more of my heroes. Matt Guitar yeah, Murphy yeah. hit me in the gut, and it must have you too. It, it didn't, and to be fair to the guy, he, he has had a good, a good life and a good innings. And mm -hmm. you know, when you when you read the the little you know the little stories that people have posted about him. 
He was a very fun-loving, strong guy right till the end. I mean, he had a he had a stroke in the early early two thousands, and it and it stopped him from playing as regularly as he as he'd probably liked to have done. Mm-hmm. Um, but he still played a little bit, and he still he still you know got involved. But you know, I, I think for, for a guitar player, he led an extraordinary life. I, I'm quite surprised though that he's he's not as well known as you you, you know unless you as part of that circle and into that type of music, he's not as well known as you probably would have hoped he would be. No, and you can tell that from the way the world works today is social media wasn't as explosive as you would think it would be or that he would deserve. No. Um, some people even at my work even said to me, well, who's that? And I thought, oh, you sad, you sad man. Don't ask questions yeah. like that. You go away and Google that on your own. Don't embarrass yourself and ask me who Matt Guitar Murphy is. Yeah, a, a total, an absolute legend in our world. Absolutely. Uh, is it is it um, is it ever restrictive? Because obviously it is a Blues Brothers act. So, um, well, it isn't really. I, I'm answering my own question because you also tend to do lean into Motown and other things. So maybe you aren't restricted by the limited Blues Brothers catalog. Um, no. And we, did you know when we first started with the show, Matt? We used to when we first put the show out there. We it was sort of a a definitive show and we did we did some of the album tracks and some of the obscure tracks um tracks like expressway to your heart groove me baby mm-hmm. things like that and in theaterland and in the venues that we play it it was just falling on deaf ears people did not know the music and they didn't you got no response to it so we felt about 4 years ago that we needed to we needed to make the, sh- the show more more audience friendly. To, to, to be fair, because I, I've I've seen over the years so many good shows, good Blues Brothers shows, just go to the wall because they're just churning out the same show year in, year out, year in, year out, mm-hmm. and and people stop buying tickets. Yeah. Now you, you've got to remember that the Blues Brothers are, are a cover band. You know that that's what they were. They were a cover band. They did everybody else's music. Yes, right. Um, so so we're actually a cover band of a cover band. So we don't, in real terms, we don't have any restrictions. You know, we put we if you if you know if you're into guitars, we we put a a load of Joe Bonamassa stuff in this tour. So going down's a Bonamassa track, mm-hmm. uh, or it's his it's his interpretation of it. Um, Boogie Woogie Woman, that was a Bonamassa old-time religion so we we do bring other things into the show just to make it more people just want to be entertained in the theaters they just want to have a good time and that's why we stray off the blues brothers path because i think you know as good as as good as some of the catalog stuff is Mm. um i don't think the hardcore following is quite there anymore you know i don't think it's as it's as strong as it maybe was 10 years ago and i think what people want to walk away with is a feeling of fun and that we've been entertained we've heard some great music played mm-hmm. well we've had fun yeah. so yeah i mean the next the next tour we do we've only got six more shows i think on the back in black tour and then we take a break in august and then we come back and the next show is is the motown mission mm-hmm. and you know the the the, the 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 theory behind the show is that we're taking the blues brothers to detroit and we're going to tackle some of the big Motown songs, but we're going to obviously keep in all the great Blues Brothers songs as well. Yeah. 
And I mean, oh. it's, it's it's good uh, in as much as these are songs you could see Jake and Elwood picking. It's not like you're up there doing songs where people are saying, uh, well, somebody like it who is a hardcore like me would sit there and go, Elwood wouldn't sing this song, man. There is none of that. It all feels very smooth and as if this is a set that these guys would be playing. Yeah, yeah. It's really it's really strange, mate, because we had another kit. Uh, Amer- sorry, American guy came to see us in Greenock in Scotland, uh, and he was actually he, he claims he was actually in the audience for Saturday Night Live when the the Blues Brothers, you know, were first introduced. Because of you know anybody who knows that Ackroyd and Belushi, mm. the Blues Brothers was a piss take. It was just a bit of fun, yeah. but it got such a it got such a reaction that it just spiraled. Now this guy again, he loved what we did and he loved how we did it. And and you know when you you get that sort of you know from from fans and you get that sort of feedback from fans, it just makes it really worthwhile doing. Yeah, I mean it's. I looked at the uh, the upcoming tour dates for the uh, the Motown Mission, and I'm hoping I see Cardiff on there soon, sir. Uh, yeah, there Ca- needs Cardiff- to be a Cardiff date. Cardiff will will come back on. Um, it probably they're really funny. Some of these venues, some venues you play every twelve months, yeah. some venues it's every eighteen months. But we only run a tour for the maximum we run a tour is eighteen months. Sometimes it's only twelve. So I would think I would think a return date for Cardiff will appear. Excellent. If not, if not, Bristol is already in the diary, which is not a million miles away. All right, and when's, uh, when's Bristol? Bristol's not gone on sale yet. Um, it was, I think it was somewhere in the middle of next year, but All right. it, it's not, it's not actually on sale. So what you see on the website is not, there's, there's about 70 dates for the Motown Excellent. mission that, that are there, but they're not all on sale. So they only appear on the website once you can buy a ticket for it. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, stay tuned for that. Definitely. But I will, I will definitely be driving to Bristol, um, for a show. Uh, when I came to the Cardiff one, we were sitting waiting and I'd spent the whole day. I finished work early on Friday. Luckily I spent the whole day listening to the blues brothers records. Of course, uh, my wife and I are sitting outside having a drink and I see people starting to come inside in costume dressed up like the blues brothers. And my immediate yeah. thought was, wow, why didn't I dress up, man? Like, because yeah. I'm a nerd too. I host panels at like Comic Cons and things like that, and I do events at those things. And I always go to those things thinking, "Oh, I should have dressed up." But then this one would have been perfect. I would have been comfortable in the outfit. You know, I would have looked suave as heck, like everybody else. And uh, I just didn't think of it. It must be so cool to see people dressing up like you guys, which is obviously the hardcores who are really into it. Oh, it's amazing. But again, you know, it's, it's not always the hardcores. You know, it's it's um, we've we've done a thing this year where. We're just trying to introduce. I don't think it's fair that children pay the same same price as adults. So I, I've been fighting as as producer of the show to get a, a reduced ticket price for children under fourteen, just so they can come mm-hmm. and sort of experience not only theatre or a concert hall, but you know a reasonably big band and, and a good show. Yeah. So we we've called them the mini moochers. So in a lot of the, yeah, so a lot of the venues, a lot of the venues that we've got going on sale for the Motown Mission, the mini moocher price is ten quid. So you know we we're really trying because we get we get you know kids from like five and six year olds up into up to eighty year old people. It's such a mixed audience, and again across that audience, some people we get people coming as nuns, we get people coming as the Reverend, uh, you know, mm-hmm. we get coming as the Blues Brothers. It's just phenomenal. Yeah, and it's it's. Uh, I don't know if you're into re- like wrestling WWF style. Uh, there's a there's a term they use called a mark, 
which is maybe somebody who's a, a little bit too excited, maybe kind of falls for the whole plot of wrestling, as it were. Um, yeah. And they call them markup moments. And uh, I had one with your show in Cardiff again uh, when you came out as the Reverend. Uh, and you were talking about, <laughs> and I saw, uh, I, I saw an unbelievable light or whatever it was. Uh, and I, sh- without, I would never do this. I'm a musician. I know how to show respect. And I shouted out, what brother? <laughs> because in the movie he repeats himself and I want, you know, oh. because, yeah, that I'm really pleased though that that's coming out for the next show. And I'm so happy that I don't have to do that anymore. Yeah, I bet. Is there, is yeah. that, that's a tough costume change, is it? Or is it just... It's uh... not a tough costume change. I just think it's very it's very close to the mark. You know, a white guy pretending to be yeah. um, a reverend. And some people, uh, you know, and at the end of the day, it, it's a bit of fun. It's it's from the film and it's there's no malice intended in it whatsoever. But, you know, some some people, most people are absolutely fine with it. They understand it's, a, you know, it's something that Aykroyd and Belushi would do. And it's a bit of fun. Uh, but you do get the odd person. So for me, I, I just think yeah, next year I'm going to have a break from doing it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it's um, the the other one is obviously uh, when Elwood uh, dresses up and does Minnie the Moocher, um, which yeah. is such a fun song. I actually do it in my own cover sets uh, because I'm always afraid of doing covers that every other jerk in the pub does. Uh, yeah. So I like to cover things like Minnie the Moocher and have people look at me going, is he singing Minnie the Moocher right now? Uh, but he, what a great version. And, and again, another sing-along song. So you guys are really good at picking the ones that get the crowd to sing along uh, to yourselves. Uh, you mentioned there that, you, that you know, you'll be, you'll be glad that the Reverend bit is gone. Is there one that uh, Elwood isn't so fond of that he's going to be glad is? Uh, no, he's moving? fine. Yeah? He's fine, yeah. I mean, Elwood's a big, he's a massive sort of, Soul and Motown fan is, is, is Elwood. Um, and, we, you know, in the new show, we've got a little... We, we're going to do a... You've seen the show, you know that we've put loads of little surprises in it. And did you pick up on the Cantina song from Star Wars in Ghost Riders? Oh, the, don't you worry. I didn't miss that at all, baby. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, there's loads... We put loads of little things into yeah. the show to make it different. So in, in the new show, in the second half, we're going to... We're going to have a bit of a dance-off where Elwood's going to—he's going to basically do the start of Michael Jackson's Billy Jean, Billy Jean, Amazing. Um, and then we're going to go into "I Want You Back," a, a little, t- just touch on that a little bit, yeah. and then we—we're going to try and mix "Flip Flop" and "Fly In" with "Blame It on the Boogie," so you know, and do a do a, a medley of that. So Amazing. that should be good, because yeah. he's—he's he's quite a good mover, he's, he's Elwood, so. He'll, uh, he'll relish the chance. But again, just we, we, we bring him back. We did a tour a few years ago called the, the Jailbreak the jailbreak Tour where we had songs like um, There's a Riot Going On, Cell Block Number Line. That was, that was in there. So we're going we're gonna to start the second set as if we're in a, in a jail. So Jailhouse Rock will probably open the second set. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, you know, just mix it up a little bit and, and change it around a little bit and Probably there's probably about you know twelve new songs going in there that will be you know some of them will only be a couple of minutes long there'll be there'll be snippets of things but we just it's a big deal for us next you know this next tour because again it's never been done before people have st- stuck rigidly mm-hmm. to the blues format and unfortunately some people have done it very badly and it, it sort of makes a mockery of of 
of the good shows that are out there and the good bands that are out there doing it. So yeah. it's a, a real a real challenge the next the next tour. Yeah, I mean, and it, it it is tough that way, isn't it? To, to to remain different. And you're so right when you say some people make a mockery of it. One of the very reasons that I try to stay away from generic covers in my own sets is for that very reason. When I was playing in Canada many years ago, if I was ever going to hear Wonderwall again, I was going to rip my ears off so I didn't have to ever yeah. hear it again. You know, so I would switch things up, and instead of covering Wonderwall, I would cover "Girls Want to Have Fun" by Cindy Lauper, just to do something different and to stay away from people going. I know what song he's going to do next. Um, Correct. And, and I loved your medleys too, because I do the same kind of thing. Well, our medley say an original, but I'll switch between Tiffany. I think we're alone now, and and um, just a small town girl. You know. Um, yeah, yeah. And just to, just to dance around, and I, I do a, a, another cheesy section where I basically talk about how there's no original songs, and I'll spend a few minutes in a four-bar stru- uh, four structure, and I'll just jump around all different songs and different styles just for a little bit of fun. Uh, and it's when it's done well, which you guys do, it is so much fun. And I mentioned you guys play stuff that Jake and Elwood would do, but you guys could drop into anything during that set, and it wouldn't feel unnatural. I feel like I feel like it no. works in very, very well. You could drop in Beyonce if you, if you know what I mean, you know. Yeah. And it would sort I mean, of fit for that moment because you could see Jake and Elwood doing that too. Well, it's like it's like when we do "Do You Love Me." I mean, there's a I went to see the stage the stage musical of the Full Monty, which I'm I'm from Yorkshire. I'm from the area where the Full Monty film was was made you know i'm from that region and uh i went to, i went to see the musical uh, and it, uh, when it was touring the theaters and throughout the throughout the whole show even though it you know it wasn't a it, it wasn't a male stripper show when any of the iconic songs came on from the film like hot stuff the, the women in the crowd went mad mm-hmm. so the song Do You Love Me is about a guy whose wife left him because he can't dance and now he's back and da 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 da. So I said to the guys, we need to do the start of Leave Your Hat On in there we, and just we'll try it and see what reaction we get from the crowd. You know, as soon as it kicks in, da 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 da. And we get the same reaction every venue. They go, the, the women go mad. We're not going to take his clothes off. They must know that. But <laughs> it's just. It just again, it's just that element of this is something different. This is this is a different show. This is not what we've seen or heard before. It's it's a different tangent. Yeah, which is so important if you wanna if you wanna quote unquote make a living and keep doing it, you need that difference because you don't want anyone to think Chicago Blues Brothers. Yeah, I saw them last July. Yeah, yeah, they were great. But now that people know that the show continually changes, that the reaction would be well, we definitely need to see them when they come back. Yeah, we did a Chris, we did a Christmas show this year. So we did um, we did a Christmas show. We did the O2 in London. That was one of the venues, and we we absolutely we we put I think about ten Christmas songs in, but we put our own steer on them. Uh, we nicked we we nicked some arrangements from Brian Setzler, uh, some of his some of his arrangements, and just tailor made them. We do, and we 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 had a phenomenal phenomenal. Um, set of shows with that. We 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 uh, we did our hometown, and when we did our hometown, we bought we bought a load of blow up guitars, a load of saxophones, a load of Christmas hats. We bought a load of fake snowballs, which were basically really lightweight polystyrene. And and about you know, 15 rows up the venue, we put hats on there. We put 
guitars and snow, but we just had one big party. It was fabulous, absolutely fabulous. But again, it was it was a Blues Brothers show done in a Christmas party style. I think there was about thirteen hundred people in that night, and it was just it was a riot. Yeah, it's. I, I mean, I, I get a fanboy, but I, I I genuinely had so much fun at the show that I don't know how to tell people and listeners that you have to go and see it. Like, you don't even like we've been saying you don't have to be a big Blues Brothers mark like I am, but it helps. But it's just so much fun, uh, and it yeah, it, it also runs like clockwork. Which as a musician, people probably don't notice that kind of stuff, but I notice a lot of those things when I see bands. As an example, maybe you do remember, I know you do a lot of shows you may not remember. Beginning of Cardiff, I believe it was your mic didn't come on at first. Correct. Um, and it was clockwork. I mean, as soon as it was your turn to go, Elwood hands over the mic, you do your part. Now you need another mic, you hand it back, and one of the lovely ladies behind you hands her hands you her mic. For somebody not a musician, they would not have even noticed. But, of course, I no. love that stuff. I love watching your sound guy run around trying to get this mic working. <laughs> uh, do you know what that was? What was that? He'd not he'd not changed the batteries in the mic. Uh so as so as we as we as we waiting to go on, the, the sound engineer can can talk I don't wear in ears, I use a monitor because I don't like in ears. Right. But he's talking to Gareth, who plays Elwood through the in ears, and saying, Tell Chris to turn his mic on, it's not on. Right. So straight because he, he wasn't getting a signal for it. But it, it's just such a a basic thing that you know i think it was just because we were quite a couple of people were late for cardiff the traffic was horrendous so the sound check was quite quick and uh, you know mm-hmm. i think it just just off his tick list but you know i walked out knew the mic weren't, wasn't going to be on pressed it to be on realized it was on and there was nothing through it but you, you do it's live so you, you do get that you know, you do get things like that, and it's—I suppose—it's how you handle them at the time. Yeah, yeah. They always say there's no mistakes when it's live. You know, you just—correct. You just got to flow with it. You just got to pl- run the show. Um, I mean, I—I yeah. I did. Uh, I studied uh, radio broadcasting, and I was a sound engineer for radio stations. And right. I feel for your sound guy, man, because it's not—I—I I can feel his pain when I've given a mic to somebody. They've gone on stage in front of a crowd, and it's like the mayor of a city. And I look and I go, oh, I didn't change the battery. And then he does the yeah. whole, good evening, ladies and good, good evening, uh, good evening. And you're there going, I have to walk out there and take the mic off of him now. And all my buddies are going to think, you prat. Yeah, it's, it's, it, I mean, we normally we normally put a line mic in front of the, uh, the center fill. So there's always normally a spare line mic in front of the center fill, just in case anything like that happens. Um and and even that wasn't there, so it was like a double a double edge um, whammy there. But we just get through it, yeah. you know. Like you say, most people don't notice it, or you just get through it and you just crack on. You know, no matter no matter what happens. Yeah, exactly. You just go. If you were recording that as a live CD or a live album, I uh, just showed my age by saying CD. Uh, if you were recording that as a live album, you wouldn't have even noticed, which was no, great. no. It was a good show, Cardiff. You know, it was a big deal for us because we we've um, we've we wanted to play the St David's Hall for for a number of years. So it was a big deal. The only the only the only slight downside to it is it's not we couldn't put the full setup just because the the lighting rig is all one grid. So right. it either it all it all comes down or it all goes up. Um, so we couldn't put the full set and all the legs and all the dress. We couldn't dress the stage the way that we normally do. But I don't think, unless you've seen the show before, nobody would 
would know that because there's certain venues we come in where we can't use projection and we can't we know we, we literally end up with lighting and a black cloth but you know you work with what you've got at the end of the day that's what the business is all about yeah i mean you 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 just uh, I've played bars, I've played gigs where we're in the middle of Johnny Be Good, my guitar player stops playing his solo and I turn around to see what he's doing behind me and it's because he's engaging in a fight with uh, a bar patron. That's the kind of bars I used to play at. So this is one of those visuals and I'm like, "Jay, Jay, what are you what are you doing, man?" and he's like, "Well, he came at me, so I had to get him off me." And I was like, "During during Johnny, there's no better moment for you to do that. You could do that during any other song, and they may not notice. But in the middle of Johnny, be good, and you drop out on me, you know. But that's just the kind of stuff that is is just so now much that, fun. That, that sounds like a scene from the Blues Brothers. It does, doesn't it? Why is the guitar stopped? Yeah. Oh, right, yeah, because he's in a fight. Of course, yeah. Yeah, it does. I mean, um, we we we've, we've had we we played Dubai a few years ago, and um, we only do maximum and we don't like doing them but maximum we'll do four shows a week we, we like to do two or three just because it is it takes takes that much out of you doing the show that it once you saw if, if you know some of these productions they did a summer special in london this year well sorry last year mm-hmm. and it was running for eight shows a week for, for week for god knows how many weeks but there's no way you can put the energy and the effort and the passion into eight shows a week, you know, you, you, you've got to, something's got to give, something's got to dumb down. Um, and again, some of these shows use click track. Some of them have got vocal on track, just in case. Uh, harmonies on track. We just keep it 100% live. So, you know, we, we do two or three a week. Any more than three starts to take its toll on the old vocal cords. Yeah, of course. Uh, because it is like a box, you know, singing the stuff we sing, it's, 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 you know, for myself, it's like a boxing match sometimes. It's really, really tough. It's not my natural singing voice, so it's quite tough sometimes. Yeah, it's not like a singer-songwriter like myself sort of just standing there with an acoustic. I mean, you guys are working. You guys are performing. You're not just singing. Uh, so it's yeah. it's hard work, you know, um, but it's great. I mean, it's... It's also fun because I, when I, I moved back, I, I was born in the UK, South Wales. I moved to Canada when I was very young, and I moved back a few years ago. That's my history. But anyway, the reason for that is I, when I played uh, shows and events in Canada, it was always singer-songwriters or bands, live bands, uh, instruments, uh, musicians, singer-songwriters. And then I started over here with an agent, and I started playing gigs, and I found I was the only guy with a guitar, and everybody else was singing with backing tracks uh, yeah. and karaoke versions, and it 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 fucking broke my heart pardon my language but it broke my heart because i was like no why don't you get some people in here with guitars and like what what are these and the but people loved it and it really really crushed me to the point that i stopped playing for a while i stopped playing. the the shows out there now the shows out there now that are doing theaters and and putting a lot of bums on seats you know and the literally there is no musicians on stage it's all backing and I just, I mean, one of the shows, it, Little Mix seemed to be, the Little Mix tribute show seemed to be doing really well at the minute. But there's no band. It's just pure, pure backing tracks and four, four female vocalists. And, and it's selling a lot of tickets. And it, it, for us, it is a little bit, it is a little bit disheartening because you think, you know, we, we, don't, we don't skimp on the horn section. We don't, we don't skimp on anything in, in relation to our show. But, you know, other people are filling theatres with backing tracks and, 
you know, is he, it's just, you know, maybe it's just that genre of music and it's maybe it's full of kids. I don't know, but we don't use any, any click tracks. We don't use anything to enhance the sound. You know, if it, if it's, if you can hear it, it's being played live. Uh, and, and by the way, who the heck are little mix to have a tribute act? They've got, they've got about three. Oh, let's see that. I'm, I'm not even a, I'm a musician. I'm not a professional one, but that breaks my heart to think that yeah, I work in a factory when the little mix have a tribute act, no less three of them. Yeah. There's a, this, this, there's, even, there's even a Spice Girls one. I think the Spice Girls one does have, it does have a couple of band members on stage, but I think the majority of the music is, is click track. Um, so, you know, some, some of the big shows, I mean, I, I, one of my favorite places in the world is Vegas. And, you know, I, I, I I've been in Vegas quite a few times, and some of the shows there, you can you can see some of the vocals are all they're all mimed, they're being mimed. Um, a lot of the music's click track, and you know I suppose if you if you're doing like I said earlier, if you're doing six or seven shows a week, you know you 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 cannot guarantee the same level of quality every show. So you know a, a band out there called Human Nature who do a they're an Australian show, and they do. They do um, like a Motown show out there, but you know a lot of their a lot of their harmonies and a lot of their they did just my imagination and, and the whole song vocally was mined. There wasn't a note sung, and I know I know because I was sat right at the front, right in front of them. And you know when you're a singer yourself, you can tell straight yeah. away when something's not. Yeah. And I'm thinking, I I thought I understand why they do it, and I and I get why they do it, but. You just you feel a little bit cheated, don't you? And you've paid yeah. your ticket. You want you want the quality. Yeah, and it's it's one of those things, like you said, my story about you guys with the mic. Unless you're in that business or a musician, you're probably not going to really notice that stuff. But my view on that is, if you're going to use backing tracks and backing vocals, then don't bother doing the song. Yeah, um, you know, especially vocals, especially vocals. Yeah, I'd rather hear, and I've said this all, all my my life singing. I'd rather hear a slightly dodgy vocal or the odd bum note or the odd crack you know crack. i'd rather hear that than watch somebody miming oh yeah. absolutely i mean john you belushi know. john belushi wasn't a perfect singer if you listen to some of their no, live stuff he misses all. some notes but that's part of what the that's part of what i like about it it's that that beauty of that i love like you were saying scratchy vocals where they just don't quite hit the note that's real to me not this britney spears yeah. fixed stuff and it's again me yeah. getting old and being an old man my regular listeners will know i'm an old man already but it's not i'd rather hear like you said imperfection than whatever the heck the rest of them are listening to yeah you know everything's forgivable everything's forgivable and when it when it's live and you know it takes a lot of balls to get up there and do what we all do whether it's you know to, to be fair i think what you do if you're doing smaller venues and small pubs and like you said you know guitarists fighting with pub goers i think they are the toughest toughest shows to do and you know going back many years I, that's how I didn't. I, I never sang in pubs, but I did the clubs and the club scene, and you know, tough crowds. And I think that's where you learn your craft. You know, you learn you, you learn your craft in those venues, and um, yeah. you know, it's it's not perfect. It is not perfect, and there will be mistakes, and there will be missed words, and you know, crack notes, and but but that's that's been that's been part of a live band and a big live show. There, there will always be a mistake now and again, but it's just life. Yeah, it's it's fun. It's it's those stories you'll never forget. Uh, the the same venue I mentioned to you was called the Circus Room. 
Sounds classy. It's got clowns painted on the wall. Uh, it was run by sort of mafia-type guys. It was a classy venue. But if you hosted their open mic, they'd give you a $50 bar tab. So as young really? musicians, we were like, I'll play here twice a week, baby. It's fine. I don't care if I might get <laughs> shot. I can get really drunk, and we can play music. See, that's sounding more and more like Blues Brothers again. Yeah, yeah, it's, it, it is. You know, I never, I, never really think, I never really thought of it that way, but you're so right. Uh, the, 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 it was just one of those venues. Uh, a specific, this is going to sound exactly like Blues Brothers now that I think it through. There was a specific night where some gentlemen in suits were sitting at the back of a small table, and uh, we had made it a point, kind of like you were saying, when you're playing those venues and you want to craft your, you, you want to, you know, make sure, you, you want to hone your skills. Well, our thing was, these people aren't listening to us, so we're obviously not good enough to make them listen to us, so let's be so good that they can't not listen to us. I'm not saying we ever got to that point, but we sure tried. So that's why we did songs like Johnny Be Good and my buddy Jay would rip the guitar solo because we wanted those heads to look up from their phones, look up from their beer, and watch him rip the guitar. Yeah, so and we, that's the way to do it. Yeah, and we thought we were having an amazing set. These gentlemen at the back in suits, uh, about five of them, uh, one of them walks up to the stage, and I'm literally in the middle of singing a song, and he stands right in front of me. So... I sometimes have a bit of an attitude problem. So I lean over and say, can I help you, man? Like, are you serious? And he says to me, he wants you should play something slower. And I was like, who wants what? And he's like, he wants you should play something a little slower. He doesn't like the rock music. And they're, they're sort of talking about a guy sitting at the back of the bar watching us at this circus room. Yeah. Unbelievable. And it's just one of those spots, and uh, there was also it was shut down. Uh, and let me, you know, you're a, you're a musician. You've toured. You've been through things like that. Try to take oh, an ed- educated guess as why this bar was closed down. Any guess? Yeah. Take a guess. Go on. Drugs. No. Well, yeah, yeah. There, there was money laundering. There was a bartender who used to do lines off the table. Before I was smart enough to know what he was doing, and I would just see him sort of like slide his face across the table, and I was like, "What is he?" What is he doing, man? And, of course, eventually realized exactly what he was doing. No, the bar was closed down when a gentleman was murdered from being thrown off the roof. Really? Oh, nice. Now, listeners can Google circus room death, and you'll find the article. That's the piece of crap bar I used to play in. You need to write a book, mate. Yeah, but sadly it ends. There aren't very many more stories than that because... Uh, Uh, Do you know know, when it all ends for us, we're going to write a book. We have got some stories that are just absolutely unbelievable you know from when when we've been in in poland and norway and you know various shows around the uk some of the things we've done and um just you you know you couldn't write some of it you couldn't write some of it so you know we're gonna once once we come to an end with it we're not on the road anymore we're gonna write a book we've got we've got plenty for it already oh i bet you have yeah my pitch to you for that is you guys both keep podcasting with me and then you'll have all these tapes with all these road stories and that'll be good reference for you to go back to later just say absolutely I'm just putting it out there you know because the original concept this podcast is called legend in my spare time and the original concept was me and my musician friends sitting around sharing stories about the crazy stuff that was happening to us on the road so it's perfect yeah. you fit right in brilliant 
No, uh, I'm, I'm happy to do uh, it anytime. Cool. Awesome. That's that's wonderful. Now, you may not want to answer this, but I'm going to ask it being a musician. The other day on the Blues Brothers, the Chicago Blues Brothers Facebook, there was something like, hey, thanks to a great crowd, uh, except for that one dickhead. Was that, is there something you want to tell me about that? Is there a story there? Yeah, we, we played we played a, a little town called Corby, and Corby is in the, it's, it's in the, it's just, it's probably not far from Peterborough, so it's in the Midlands somewhere. You know that that part of the world, and it's it's a, a very it's one of those audiences that if they like you, they tell you. If they don't like you, they tell you. But they're very rowdy for a theatre crowd. They're very rowdy. Mm-hmm. And during the first spot, we just had one guy that was just you know there's a there's a few stories in the show and there's a few links into songs and there's a few gags, and he just every time I up you know every time we were I was trying to talk, he was shouting something out. And then when I did the reverent bit, I told him to shut his mouth, and oh. the crowd went went mad. Uh, they absolutely it got the probably the biggest cheer of the night. So I said, "There's always one dickhead who spoils it for everybody." Um, and the, again, the crowd went mad, and and he, he he carried on shouting out. And I said, "Look, mate, you shouldn't drink on an empty head. This is what happens." And did it anyway. So when we did when I when I carried on with doing Reverend Brown, and when I said he, you know. If you came here tonight to have a good time, let me hear you say, yeah. All the crowd went, yeah. If you came here tonight to dance and sing and party with Chicago Blues Brothers, let me hear you say, yeah. And they all went, yeah. And if you think that guy's a dickhead, let me hear you say, yeah. And that got the biggest yet of the night. Amazing. And, and, and he never says another word all night. He kept his gob shut all night then. Well, no, of course not. You have the ultimate weapon, which is the microphone, you know. Uh, That's it. You have the advantage of playing in theaters where there's probably security. So, you know, your uh, John, your guitar player, isn't going to be in a fight with someone on the stage. So you sort of have that little bit where I'm you not... can get away with that stuff. Yeah. We, well, it, do you know something? To be fair, in, in the venues we play, it is a very, very rare occurrence that you have to sort of deal with somebody like that. It just doesn't happen. Um, I, think, I think that's the second time. That's the second time ever where we've had to deal with somebody in that manner and the last one it was it was probably four years ago where somebody was shouting at some of the to, to the backing singers get your tits out and stuff oh. and then that that clearly not acceptable so he got he got hiked straight out um, and the good thing is he, he got hiked out and he'd spent about 50 quid on merch as well when he come in he'd bought a, he'd bought a tour jacket and the CD, and, a, and a, so he, he totally wasted his money, but, but, you know, you just don't behave like that in a the theatre. No. You, you know, stuff like that's unacceptable. Join in, shout out, have a bit of fun, great, but, you know, get your tits out for the lads is just a bit too far. Oh, it, it is. It's, 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 I used to, when I, when I worked in Canada in pro wrestling, I'd be like a referee or a ring announcer, uh, depending on yeah. who didn't show up for work that day was usually how it would happen. Um, they used to make me referee with absolutely no idea on how to referee a pro wrestling match, but that was irrelevant because the show must go on, as I'm sure you know. Uh, but all the time with the female wrestlers, it would be the same thing. Show us your tits. And it's just <laughs> the difference being at wrestling shows, a lot of the girls I knew would just get out of the ring and open hand slap a man in the mouth. Well, they deserve it. Yeah, of course they do. I mean, I don't think your girls could get away with that as much as the no. crowd would love it. But when it's a wrestler, she can just walk up to him, and just backhand him. Um, you yeah. know, the amount of times you get things like that. Um, 
I remember we interrupted. There was a just we were talking about tribute acts before. We had uh, we used to do every Canada Day. We used to do the Canada Day uh, festival. We would set up a wrestling ring in the middle, and all people would just surround us and watch these wrestling matches. Yeah. Well, this one year they'd set up a big stage at the back, and Justin Bieber was playing. Not the Justin Bieber, of course. A tribute act. And we think, forget it. There's no way. We probably got 500 to 1,000 people crowded around us watching the wrestling. Great. Fantastic. All of a sudden, some dick on the other stage says, uh, Justin Bieber in 15 minutes. And the crowd just <laughs> runs and leaves us. And they're all really? now piling up for this tribute act. So I start sh- shilling, being the circus performer, I guess, of the ring announcer, and getting the crowd back. I start giving away T-shirts and hats. To, to draw the crowd back to us. We turn our music up louder to draw the crowd back to us. And I start getting a dude in a suit coming over saying, um, the, uh, the tribute act wants you to turn the music down. You're, you're drowning. You're going to drown out their sound. And at first I was like, no. And no, no. And I kept saying no to them. Cause I was like, with respect, F your Justin Bieber tribute act. I got dudes out here wrestling, taking risks. It's a tribute. No, absolutely. And I eventually got told to turn the mics down, but I tried to be a rebel. We are, we're picking on Justin Bieber a bit today, aren't we? We are picking on him a little bit. Yeah, yeah, but in, he deserves he deser- it. I was just going to say he deserves I can it. Rem- I, do, you, I can, do you remember when it went through? We went through a period where we lost a lot of great artists. We, you know, Bowie, Prince, yeah. George Michael, yeah. and I can remember reading something on Facebook where it says more sad, more sad news in the music world today as Justin Bieber has been found alive in his apartment. Yeah. That, that's <laughs> That that is a bit cruel, but it did it did bring a smile to my face, to be honest. Yeah, and I mean, for me, I, I grew I, I when I lived in Canada, uh, not that I ever knew him or crossed paths with him, but he lived about a forty minute drive away. So of course, once really? he became huge, it was everywhere. Justin played played. It used to be play Freebird was my thing that would make me angry the most. Play Freebird, um, but then it became. Do you know any just like? Do you know any Justin Bieber? No. Oh. Nor nor will I learn any Justin Bieber. It's heartbreaking. Well, we give him a hard time. Yeah, we give him a hard time, but I wouldn't mind being a pound behind him in his bank account. Yeah, I was just thinking he's got more money now than I will ever have, no matter what I ever do. So I guess jokes on me. Um, and me. Yeah, and me. jokes on us. But you know, I I I need to respect myself after I perform. My wife says I'm a diva, but I need to respect myself, and I'm sure you feel the same way. Of course. You know, Absolutely. You know, I, I can't do. So when hmm? are you still singing in the UK then, Matt? Uh, yeah. So um, not to not to go on a downer, but uh, I had cancer last year, so I had surgery oh, and I had chemotherapy for quite a few months. So I've been out of the game for quite some time, um, publicly anyway. I still play at home. I've got the studio set up and everything like that. Um, but with the the agencies that I was working with over here, the gigs dried up because they wanted me to put on a suit and sing to a karaoke track. And I was like, I don't want to drive two hours to make 120 quid to sing to a karaoke song, none of which I want to do. You know, I want to play a set. I want to be able to throw in a Blues Brothers song or a weird cover of, you know, Beyonce that I figured out, you know. Uh, So recently, no. Uh, I'm playing at the end of August. I'm doing a show here that I'm organizing myself uh, where I'm giving all the proceeds to the Valindra Hospital. And that's where I right. had all my treatments. So I'm giving them every penny that I make. Um, so that show, I'm glad I've got like a slow buildup so I can really put my heart into it well, and do something I'm really proud of. If you if you were, just remind me a little bit nearer the time and I'll, I'll donate something to that from, from the band, a, a Blue 
Blu-ray film or a DVD or something. Oh, great. Just that, something. Great. Yeah, no problem. Uh, and but I, yeah, you know, uh, years, years ago, we talk about, we're talking about, you know, karaoke and backing tracks now. Years ago, in, 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 in the world of music, Clubland and pubs and clubs, they were thriving, thriving places where, you know, a lot of bands would go and play and, and you know, people would be there to listen to the band and everything else would be, you know, a, a, a side sort of side show and it was there for the music. And, and over the years, the, you know, the, the acts that actually do it, because believe it or not, one, you know, the girls that we work with, they both do other things. They have to do. The musicians do other things. And one of the one of the girls, she she has to do the clubs. And she you know when she's not working with the Blues Brothers, she'll go and do a club. And you know, it, it, it they're just an interruption to the bingo. Yeah. And it, it's just so sad. You know, the 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 good the good venues and the good clubs are are so few and far between now. But this is why they don't pay a lot of money. You know, like you say, 120, 150 quid. You can't you can't take a band out for that. So, oh, no, you know, definitely not. You, 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 there is some really, really cracking backing tracks out there. And, you know, a lot of people make a decent living out of doing it. And I was one of those people at one point in my career. And you've just got to you've got to sort of sing through your teeth and just get on with it. You know, when people are not listening to you and it's even worse now with the mobile phones, it's even, oh, you know, know, you are, you are, you are definitely an interruption to everything. Yeah. You're just a jukebox. Uh, and they don't know why you're not playing their favorite song. They don't care that, or think about the fact that you're actually a person with a craft who is a professional who has spent a lot of their life doing, you know, learning this to be good at it. And you're more worried about watching why the TV got turned down when the football was on. Uh, Gareth, who play El, who played Elwood, he used to do a he used to do a solo act, and he'd go. He, he worked like you. He worked through the week, like we, like I did. You know, he had a full time job, and then on the weekend, he'd go out and he'd do a couple of gigs. And he, he, he said he got so fed up of doing doing the gigs. He says I knew I knew when it was time to stop. When somebody said to me, um, it was the end of the night that he'd finished just about to start packing his gear up and somebody come come up to him and asked him, they said, how, a bit, how about a bit of status quo? And he said, how about fuck off? <laughs> that was it. Yeah. <laughs> that was it. He said, that was it. I knew it's time to pack in. I've had enough. Yeah. I've gotten quite a few bands fired from various gigs for having an attitude like that. Uh, yeah. I, I can remember well, he... one where they hired us to open for karaoke. Really? And so we're playing our 45 minute set and I'm, I'm, I'm like you. Let's be professional. You want me to start at 9 p.m.? Yes, sir. I will start at 9 p.m. And I'll play for 45 minutes. So we're playing. It gets to like 9.20. And I'm getting the, you know, the, the hands across the throat gesture from the bartender. And one of the other guys in the band. This was when I joined their band, which I learned then I should never do. Um, yeah. You know, they're, he's saying, oh, the guys want us to stop. And I'm like, yo, we, we, we set up a 45-minute set. And to be selfish, we had a section of the set where I would sing a couple of songs, and we hadn't gotten there yet. So I was like, I just played backup for these crappy tunes we have to do to get these people to listen. I want to do my stuff too. Oh no, they want us. The bartenders now come to the stage. They want to start the karaoke early. It's madness, isn't it? And I'm just like, what? Like, okay, no, no, no. We're playing until nine forty-five. That's what the deal says. Fine, fine, fine. Of course, we played till nine forty-five, and of course, we were never invited back. 
I feel bad I about it say- now looking back because I cost my buddies probably 50 bucks a week at the time, which for us was a lot of money at the time touring and playing various bars in your local town every day, you know? It's a, it, 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 it's the music business and the music world. It's a, it's a tough, tough business. And I take my hat off to anybody who goes out there and makes, you know, you makes a try and tries to make a living out of it, plays an instrument, works the bollocks off, you know, and, and does a, does a really, you know, every, you don't see, nobody goes to work to do a bad job, whether you work in a factory supermarket or whether you're a, a singer or a musician, and, and I think if you've got the balls to get up there in front of people and say, look, here I am, I'm going to do something for you. you like it or you won't like it. I take my hat off to them, you know, and I always, wherever wherever I go with my family, you know, and we, you know, a holiday or whatever, I always applaud and encourage whoever's up there singing because it takes a lot of, takes a lot of guts. It's not an easy thing to do. No, and and it's another thing we've we've mentioned it a few times now that you wouldn't understand unless you do it yourself. No, uh, and for myself, especially with like an original material, it took a long time, you know, twenty years ago or so, for me to get the balls to go up there and sing songs that I had written because you're you're exposing yourself so oh, big much. Time. It's just such a such an awkward and emotional thing, you know. I mean. When I was younger, I've had so I've had times where I've you know t- cried on stage, getting emotional, singing a certain song that hits me a certain way, and then you realize you're in front of a crowd and you're like, oh, I'm such a dick. But, no, but in a lot of cases, lot yeah, but and in a lot of cases, you'll find that that emotion transfers, and yeah, you know you'll absolutely. leave the stage, you'll get a couple of hugs and a couple of cuddles and that kind of thing. Um, you know, and it, no, it's I mean. Gareth, Gareth cried last year. When I say Gareth, Gareth Selwood. Yeah. He cried. He cried last year. He had a really emotional moment when his pants ripped on stage. Right. And his ass was hanging out. Right. So that was quite emotional for him. Quite funny for everybody else. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, luckily, luckily, he had some black boxer shorts on. So thank goodness. But, um, and how no, long ago? How long ago was that? Is he over it yet? That was last year. Is he still? Is he still year. a bit sore about it? No, he's not. He, he just luckily, you know, you carry you carry two of everything from your hat to your to your your trousers to your shirts to your ties. You take two of everything just in case. I, I've gone to I I live I live sort of you know North Yorkshire. I drove to Weymouth a couple of years ago and I'd forgot my suit. You know what I mean? And it, it, it happens. You just so now there's one packed and underneath my car seat just in case. Yeah, which is the best way to do it you know because the show must go on and you can't come out there in like jeans and a t-shirt you know it's correct because a big selling point for me was you know elwood when you guys come out he has the briefcase you're spinning the key that's such a small element for a non-blues brothers fan for again a mark like me though that's such a big moment because you're like that's exactly how they come out on stage that's it and it's such a little thing and i bet my wife didn't notice it but i sure did well, you know, if you just just going back to like original music, yeah. the, the the blonde girl that sings with us, Diane, she's got a she she's got her own band called Dexeter. So if you're into original stuff, it's it's more country music, um, but it's all original stuff. Now, Diane, Diane's only been with us this year. She she joined us at the start of this year, but keep an eye on that, make a note of that, Dexeter, mm. because the music is phenomenal. And they've got a, a, an absolutely brilliant songwriter on board with them at the minute. Um, and I think out of that, out of anybody I've worked with, I think if anyone's going to make it big, 
they will make it big and she will make it big because she's got a really great country style and country voice. Um, so, yeah, just keep an eye, have a look at that. Look that up, Dexeter, and just, um, you know, keep an, keep an eye on that because that one will be a, a really good one. We've got an old sax player who, who's just, he's been playing with a guy, uh, a band called the Gypsy Queens. I don't know, have you ever heard of those? Uh, yes, yes. He, he plays sax for them now. So he's he's all over the world. One minute he's in the Bahamas, the next minute he's in Monaco, then he's in Tokyo. So, you know, it's nice to see people that you work with or who's worked with you. I mean, they came straight out of music college to work with us. Right. Um, and, you know, and now he's, he's touring the world and playing gigs to like Elton John and, you know, just having a great life. And it, it, it's fab to see that. Yeah. You know, it's really fab to see that. It's it's yeah it's it's fantastic. I mean, you guys really do seem like a team, like a like a family. It's cheesy to say family, isn't it? But you kind of are because I imagine when you guys are touring, you're spending a lot of time together. So it's good that you can That's get right. along with each other and you can respect each other. That's right. I mean, we there's there's when we we just did four nights in Scotland and we were we we stayed over for for three of those nights. And on the third night in Aberdeen, we all went out and got drunk and we were out till four in the morning and just having a laugh and a joke and just having fun. And, you know, you've, you've got to get on with each other and you've got to, you've got to have, I mean, I, I don't play an instrument. I don't read music, but I've got so much respect for the guys that work for me that do it. And and I look to them for a lot of guidance because I'll say, look, I, I think we should try this musically and will this work? And they make it work for me. You know, they, and and I make, I make no bones about it. I know I go, look, I don't know if it's going to work musically and, you know, but can we do it? Is there something we can do to change from that to that? And can we do that? And one of the big, one of the two guys in the band that are brilliant at that, one is John, who you've already mentioned, the guitarist. And the other one is the trumpet player, Danny, who is phenomenal. You know, he's, he's absolutely phenomenal. So he's just done something for us. The start of the most, we don't, did you notice we don't do Peter Gunn? Yes, I did. Yes. And again, everybody, every man and his dog in a Blues Brothers show, everyone without fail opens with Peter Gunn. And we've not opened with Peter Gunn for probably three years now. But what we're going to do because of the new mission, the Motown mission, is we're going to, we, we, we've, we've done an arrangement of Peter Gunn that just nips into a couple of Motown songs that fit and comes back out and then back into Peter Gunn. So yeah. it, it, it yeah. just gives people a, a, a sort of taste. This is what's coming. Yeah, which is so exciting. Oh, do you know something? It's a passion. It's a real passion for me. I've spent weeks and weeks working on set lists and strong song structures and arrangements. And, you know, we, we're just at the stage now where we're about to start running some of the songs and just seeing the work. And it's just, you know, when, when, you, when you put something together, so like for the start of Peter Gunn, we're going to start it off with the, the stabs from My Girl, so you know the bass line. It will just fit straight into Peter Gunn. Yeah. But the first first notes people will hear will be the, the opening stabs, the opening bass stabs from the song My Girl, which is I don't care, you know, what sort of music you like, everybody in the world will recognise that straight away. Mm-hmm. But then it will switch into Peter Gunn. Yeah. And it's just just to give say look this is this is a taste of what you're going to get. Yeah, it's and it's a it's a clever way to do it. I do the same myself for songs that I can't necessarily play the entire song. 
So I will just yeah. throw a few stabs in and then people will think, oh, that was cool. That was cool. But then they don't really expect you to finish it, which is good because I can't really play the whole thing, that kind of thing. Um, Do you know what used to be one of the most asked for songs in our show? No, no. If you get, have a guess. And if you get it right, I'll give you some free tickets to Bristol. Ooh. Have a guess. Of the, the one song that was is the most requested song. And we don't do it at the minute. We did it last year, but we don't do it this year. If you can guess it, free tickets for Bristol. See, it's going to be, when you, when you tell me, it's going to be one of my favorites that I no doubt noticed you didn't do at the time. I'm sure that's, uh, there's, there's a lot on the, the table here. The most requested, what do you think? Uh, I just want to think it through. I don't want to just jump the gun. <laughs> You did. You played. I'm gonna, you played I'm Sweet Home Chicago, so it's not that. No, I'm gonna get. It's not. It's not. It's not in any of the films. Oh, that's a clue. Uh, it's not in any of the films. And it's the most requested. And it's it's when the most requested song that we get asked to do, and it's not in either film. It's an album track. Flip flop and fly by the Down Chop Blues Band. No, we do that. Oh, you did it while I was there. Oh, Lee's, you moron. Yeah. Uh. See the pressure of Listen, quizzes gets you, to me. I'm gonna give you. I'm gonna give you some free tickets for Bristol anyway. But it's Rubber Biscuit. Ah, oh, Rubber Biscuit. That is the most requested song. How strange! But after the show, after the show, when we meet people, we didn't do Rubber Biscuit, did it? So last year, we we didn't want to do the full song, so we kept like, "You want to do a song, Elwood Man?" Yeah, sure. One, two, one, two, three, four. And then he'd do a little bit of rubber biscuit and I'd stop it. Whoa, 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 whoa. We're not doing that song. You know, and then we'd go do something else and then later on he'd go, one, two, one, two, three, four. And he'd do another little bit like, whoa, 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 whoa. Nice. So just so people people thought that nobody asked for it then because people thought they'd heard it, even though he'd only done a a verse and a chorus. Yeah. And I'd stopped him. But people thought, oh, they've done rubber biscuit. Um, But again, Unless you're unless you're a hardcore Blues Brothers fan, you wouldn't have a clue why Rubber Biscuit was being sung because it's it's a really obscure album track. Yeah, it is. Uh, I once saw the, the aforementioned Downchild's Blues Band. Uh, yeah. In Ontario, Canada, they played for like three hours. I want to say it was like their fortieth anniversary tour or fiftieth anniversary tour, um, and that's kind of it's kind of deep cut Blues Brothers stuff, you know, because. Yeah. What a band they were, too. I don't know if you've ever seen them yourself, but... No, I'm they, not. They no. were on fire. You know, it's just... And then when you hear them do the Blues Brothers songs, you're like, that's so cool, because that was what inspired the Blues Brothers to do that song, you know? And they're really, Canadian. So we can not stop harping on Bieber and respect some Canadians, because they are Canadian, right? Yeah, respect them. I'm really into Joe Bonamassa at the minute. Yeah. I love, I love, I love the way Bonamassa takes... You know the old songs, and you know especially the old BB Keys, BB King songs, and just brings them up to date, and just puts a load of meat around them, and makes them contemporary and current. You know, and that's a couple. Of the the previous guitarist that we had was a guy called JP Level, phenomenal guitarist and a big Bonamassa fan, um, and he he brought some great great ideas to the show. Yeah. And some great playing to the show as well. And, you know, real, real, real great guitar solos. But, you know, it's uh, 
I think I think to to in any kind of music you've got to you've got to try and put your own little steer in it where you can. Of course, yeah, because nobody wants to hear. If I want to hear the CD, you can put the CD on, right? You when it's That's live music, you, you want to hear the little yeah. tickles and the little play arounds and the you know you want to hear that stuff. So when you guys yeah. stop in the middle of a song and yourself, Jake, tells somebody to sort her husband's dance moves out. You know, it's one of those things where it's it's fun to watch live, and that's the kind of thing you can't doesn't come across in a live album. You have to be there to no. watch it, to see those little yeah, moments it, of you pulling faces of people in the crowd, or you know things like that. It's it's such a pleasure to do it, mate, and I'm really you know it sounds like we give you a really good experience, and you know it, it's so lovely to hear that you you know we made a little bit of a an impact on you for that evening and. Oh no! You, you know, like I don't want to. I don't want to keep harping over on it because ever since having chemo for that many months, I'm very emotional these days. But I had a right. fuck, I had a fucking great time at that show. I had so much fun that I would have seen it. If you guys would have gone, we're gonna take ten, take a drink, and do the whole show again. I would have stayed and watched it again. Really? And I, I'm not oh, saying that just because you. you're on the the thing with me. I genuinely mean that. Longtime listeners will know I don't blow smoke. I don't talk bullshit. I have a terrible attitude. But I would have watched it over again. I would have gone, Rachel, Rachel, which is my wife. We have to stay. They're going to do the show again. <laughs> you know, because it was. Oh, that's great. So if they're near you, you have to go, ladies and gentlemen. You have to, you have to see them. But I think when we play Bristol, you need to come early, and I think we need to we need to get you come come to the sound check and just hang out with us a little bit before the show and play some stuff on stage. I, I, I don't know if you've ever been to the the Bristol Hippodrome, but no. it's an absolutely iconic venue it is amazing it's one of my favorite venues to play it's a proper old worldy english theater but it's it's just google it get a picture of it have a look at it it's 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 fab and the crowd in bristol are fab um so yeah come down come down and have a jam with us you know definitely pre-show Definitely. I mean, it's, it's that, you know, that's, that's really great of you. I will definitely be there. Uh, and it's, I do find inspiration from yourselves as well, because after seeing your show, uh, I added green onions to my own set, uh, in as much as, and, uh, this isn't as much as loops or backing tracks, uh, but things where I'm, I'm now using a, a backing version of green onions with drums and bass. But I play the keyboards into a loop pedal so that that, you know, so that will loop for me. Then I add a little bit of guitar and then I'm sort of that's when I'm going to do my we're so glad to see so many people here tonight. You know, Uh, so that's an inspiration I took from yourselves as well as Minnie the Moocher. I found a a really great backing track of Minnie the Moocher because I used to just sort of lazily strum chords for it. Um, But I found one that it's full. It's a full band. And there's no. Uh background tracks on the hi, 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 hi. so i've added that people to the set as well people people love it people love to be entertained and they love to get involved they love to dance they love to sing along they love to feel part part of the show and that's what we try and do and that yeah. and, you know another, another thing that we do which i don't think a lot of shows do is we actually go out at the end of the show and meet people and have a chat to them and you know obviously we met yourself so it, it's just yeah I mean, you guys were mobbed too. I've done comic cons where celebrities haven't had a crowd that big fighting to get pictures, and no joke, uh, you know, people were all over you. They're like, "I'm getting my picture next. You gonna move no, back because it's, it's my but turn." Again, <laughs> do you know something, mate? We, we come, we come out, come off stage, we meet the people. And it's a real pleasure to do that, and then we get changed. And I'll tell you, we just get on with his lives. I mean, last year when we played the O2 in London, 
I, I got up in the morning, took the dog out for a walk, picked its dog shit up, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> went to went to the local supermarket, dressed like a tramp because I'd literally just got up, uh, got some bits, bits, put them in the, the fridge, got ready, drove to London, played the O2, had a phenomenal night at the O2, drove back home the same night, the morning after, I'm back picking dog shit up. You know, and, yeah. and, and I think, and that's just, that's just, I appreciate, what I'm trying to say is I appreciate everybody that takes their time to speak to me or Gareth or the band. And, you know, especially, you know, people like yourself who, who do something like this with us, just appreciate it because we don't take any of it for granted. No, you know, and it's it, crystal clear. I mean, there's passion in your voice when you tell stories. I mean, I've done radio and interviews for a long time, and I've heard a lot of people blow smoke in my ear, you know, giving scripted, yes, I love the project, you know, that it's just great to do. But you guys are passionate, and it's crystal clear with that. There's, there's, there's too much. There's a lot of bullshit out there. I yeah. mean, don't get me wrong, mate. We have some cracking gigs. We have, you know, and you have some nights that are not, you don't feel they're as good as as you know they can be or you know, you you might you might have had a bad day, and you go out there, and you you feel personally you could have give a bit more, but you know we we don't we don't tend to get any bad feedback really, and we don't tend to get any bad negative comments, and people seem to enjoy what we do, so we just try and keep that formula going. Yeah, which is the best way for it. I mean, there's nothing to be upset about in your performance, from my point oh, of view. Oh, thank you. There's nothing anyone could be like. Well, I didn't like that they did that song because the blues are so infectious. You know, that, that people love it. Uh, everyone seems to enjoy the blues. I mean, I still remember the first time I ever heard the blues. You know, not being young and not really knowing what that was, other than the Blues Brothers movie. Not really yeah. realizing it was a genre unto itself, if that makes sense. And I remember the first time, I and again, this is the kind of guy I am. I met you guys, and I was like, they need to podcast. I need to talk with them. I heard the first guy ever playing a guitar solo with the blues. Within about three months, he was in a band with me. Um, and he was playing a Stevie Ray Vaughan song. And it was the first time I had ever heard that. And the band coming yeah. in on the one there. And I was like, what the fuck is that? And I had goosebumps and my hair stood up. And I just watched these guys play a blues set. And I thought, I want to play the blues. And that was when it hit me that it was, oh, the blues, like, you know, that it was their own, it was a genre. They didn't just invent those songs. It sounds no. naive looking back now, but we're all naive when we're young, I guess. I mean, you listen, if you listen to the original version of Everybody Needs Somebody to Love, it's so slow and so labored. And you know what, what Belushi and Aykroyd and the Blues Brothers band did with it is just turn it from, from, you know, a really sort of non song yeah. to this anthem you know and and we 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 can hear it on stage as soon as that song starts you hear the the, the crowd react to it wherever you go certain certain songs in the show that people just react to straight away yeah. rawhide's yeah. another one people love rawhide and and you know we 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 we've mixed that in this year with ghost riders so that and we've put the the little cantina Can, cantina horn section bit in that was a that was one of the trombone players who, who played with us um a couple of years ago that came up with that idea um but it just oh, it's just it's just a real pleasure to do it yeah it's 
again, we, we've harped on it. it. It's so much fun, and I'm I'm very happy that there are people out there still playing real music uh, and really, you know, enjoying the craft. It it makes a grumpy, curmudgeon musician like me, you know, uh, not lose hope as much. Uh, and it really did give me a lot of inspiration for this charity show in August because I was like, those guys are up there having fun. I should just have fun. Forget about these are my good songs. Those are the ones that aren't so good, and people aren't going to be listening to me anyway. And what if the... Forget all that. You guys showed me, just go up there and have fun, which is why I'm now willing to open with Green Onions, which is something I would never, ever do. Uh, I'd never no. use a backing track. I'd never play the keyboard, because keyboard for me is, I'm not a fantastic keyboard player. I play it in my house, you know. Uh, but seeing your show showed me that confidence of like, you know what? I'm just going to do it. It's going to be fun. And there's nobody else up there doing it at the same time, so it's going to be one of those confidence things, you know? John does a good job on that on guitar as well, because, you know, the, the, the idea of... It's always been the same sort of philosophy with the band that Chicago Blues Brothers is not just about the Jake and Elwood characters. You know, if you've got a phenomenal guitarist, keyboard player, trumpet player, backing, they need to they need to be able to show what they can do. And we we try wherever we can bring those guys forward and say, you have a listen to this girl sing, listen to this girl's voice, or listen to this guy play trumpet, yeah. or listen. To guy play sax i mean we you know we try and build into the show lots of little we, we you know little moments for those guys to shine because i think you'd have to be really i, I know of another blues brothers band um that s they're still trying to trying to work out there but they're not doing anything that at one point they were massive they were a really big big blues brothers show but the the, the philosophy behind the band was it's about me and Elwood. Don't don't move. Don't step forward. Don't ch just stay where you are. Don't move. And it, and I'm thinking, why why would you do that to yeah. phenomenal musicians? Yeah, why, exactly. You know, such a selfish attitude and such a it's arrogance. But you know, they that that particular show manufactured their own downfall, and that's why they are now singing in pubs to backing tracks. Yeah, you know it's. It's lessons you need to learn, man. I mean, when I was young, like, I mean, 17, I had a couple of songs I'd written and I had a few different people tell me that was a really good song. That's the worst thing you can say to a 17-year-old. So then it immediately became I wanted musicians to just stand behind me and play these apparently remarkable songs that I had written. Because, again, I'm a 17-year-old yeah. kid, right? It wasn't until I was able to sort of let go a little bit and start playing around that I was in what I would call the best band I was in. It was called the Matt Lee's band, so I lose the whole I dropped my ego thing there a little bit. But that was only because we played my originals, and it was gigs that I had booked that they just kind of joined me on. Yeah. But once I let them sort of, because they were phenomenal. I mean, my guitar player, best guitar player, you know, one of the best guitar players I've ever heard, also a guitar teacher. My drummer was a sound engineer. My bass player was a music teacher. So they they didn't need me to teach them how to play my songs, if you know what I mean. And once I learned no. how to just back off and let them enjoy it, the band became tenfold better. Uh, we have a specific original song, a uh, blues song, called Maybe I'm Not Leaving, But Baby I'm Leaving You. And I wrote it as like a, a really old school, slow on the acoustic, and oh, maybe I'm not leaving. You know, very slow and yeah, sad. Yeah. And my guitar player heard it once and went, I like the song, but can we put some nuts on it? Like, can we put some fucking balls on it? And I was like, sure. <laughs> and I'll send you a link to the song. 
It sounds Definitely. nothing like my original version, but he is screaming on the guitars, and it became a rockin' heavy blues song. And I guess the point I'm trying to make is that never would have happened if I wouldn't have gone, all right, Jay, I'm in your hands. Because like you were saying, he's the guitar player. Let go of the reins exactly. and be like, bro, I hired you to be a guitar player. Play the guitar. Like, do what you do. That's what I, you know, that's why you're here. So it's no, great. There's no be, egos in your band. Yeah, we don't. We don't allow egos. We, you know, we don't want. We, we don't want any pricks in the band because people who come with people. We, we we advertise for a bass player this year, and we had 75 people apply for the job. Right, this is purely through social media. Media. 75 people apply to be the bass player with us, and there were some really, really good, talented people out there. Um, but those people, some of those people, not all of them, but some of those people, they come with an expectation, they come with an attitude, they come with, well, I've done this and I've done that. So I much prefer to have a slightly lesser player, but a better person who is willing to learn and willing, so we can not mould them or craft them because, you know, we don't do that, but just somebody who's, who's going to fit into the jigsaw of the band rather than, oh, we've got this guy and he's the best bass player in the world and he's done this and he's done that. Because nine times out of ten, those people don't fit in your model because they, they just come with so many preconceived ideas and, yeah. I, I, you know, I don't I don't want that in the band. I'd rather, I'd rather have a team of people that I like and I get on with and that we can, you know, I, I'm not afraid to say, look, I, I, I want this to happen, but I don't know how to make it happen. Help me out. And th they're all great at it. Yeah, it's, it's a team. Like we said, it is, if, if folks at home, if you have never been in a band, it's like a marriage, it's like a team, and every piece is, is important. So it's it's so yeah. vitally, I mean, your bass player, your present bass player, um, remind me of his name. Alex. Alex. He fits right in. I mean, you look at those, you look at the group on stage, and you go, that's the Booze Brothers band. That's cool. You know, they, yeah. they fit. And uh, it was fun for me to watch because John was trying to get him. I don't know whether he's still, he's still, he's a bit more reserved, isn't he? Uh, and the bass is a lot harder to play. So it's, you know, you can't be yeah. jiving when you're playing the bass. But I remember watching John a couple of times kind of sort of nudging him again, like the puppy in the cage going, come yeah, on, man, play with on. me, play with me, play with me. And he kind of smirk yeah. and so much fun. I, I described John as, uh, as if Steve Gutenberg was your guitar player. Because, really? and I, I mean that respectfully, I mean that with, with, you know, in a positive way, as in funny, had a lot of fun, infectious, fit right in with the band. It was really, really, really cool. So I, I'm very glad for you as a musician that you found such a tight blues band uh, because you, let's face it, you couldn't pull this off without it. No, and, no. And you can't have Absolutely. the egos because again, with respect, it is not about any of the dudes on the stage, right? No. It's not about John and Chris you know, it's it's about Jake and Elwood and the Blues Brothers band. So for that two hours, you need people need to be watching the Blues Brothers band. You know, not the guitar player that doesn't fit in or there's the lot, trumpet player who doesn't a lot fit of in. It, there's a, you see, there's a lot of little in jokes and stuff on stage, and there's a lot of things said on stage that the crowd can't hear. And there's a lot of little, you know, this is these are things that will go in the book. Um, you know, there's there's things that that go on on stage that people can't hear. There's things that Gareth say to me, tries to make me laugh all the time. Yeah. So, you know, the silly things like, um, so I'll, let me give you, let me give you an example. The the drummer who drummed on Cardiff is a guy called Kyle. So we had a conversation with him one day and we said like, what, what do you do through? Cause he's not, he doesn't work. He's a professional drummer. 
Right. So that's totally, you know, that, that's what he does. He says, what, what, what have you done this week then, mate? Have you done anything good? He went, oh, I've just watched a load of box sets. He says, all you do, watch fucking box sets. He goes, no, well, yeah. So box car blues then became box set blues. Yeah. So we're, mm. make, we're making up then words to box set blues. So, we, you know, so we're going, I got a 10-season game of Throner and a six-pack full of Corona. And we see, we're singing all this, but then because we were doing it all day, Gareth forgot the actual words to the song. Oh, it's a nightmare. It happens to me so, so much. <laughs> yeah, so pissing about, making, doing, you know, saying stupid things to each other. And then I had a little bit of, in a Sweet Home Chicago, and I go, one and one is two, eight and two is ten. She's done it before. You know she's going to do it again, and I and I just had a, I got for some reason I got I'd got a mental block on mm-hmm. the second bit, so I'm going one and one is two, seven and five is ten. I was singing the wrong words. Yeah. So when that bit was coming up, Gareth would stand back from the mic and he'd start sort of saying to me five, six, eight, nine, trying to put me off uh, deliberately. Yeah. You know, of, and that's why you'll see people laughing and having fun. You know, the guy who plays trombone, um, Patrick, uh, somebody says, have you, ever, you, have you ever heard of a game called Guess Who, Matt? Yes. So the game called Guess Who, somebody said to us, he looks like Richard from Guess Who. So we started introducing him as Richard from, <laughs> his name's not Richard, his name's Patrick. But he wasn't in on the joke. Everyone in the band had seen this picture of Richard from Guess Who. Yeah. And he looked the spit in him. So, ladies and gentlemen, on the trombone tonight, it's Richard. And he looked at me and said, "Who the fuck's Richard?" <laughs> yeah. But all the band, all the band start laughing. So that sort of thing sort of helps to create the the fun and the energy and the atmosphere on stage. Yeah. Because, like I said earlier, we don't we don't let a paying audience get in the way of our fun. We've got to have fun. Otherwise, there's no point doing it. Yeah, because if you're not having fun, the crowd's not having fun, and it's something that's very Correct. important. And I mean, again, in hindsight, looking back at a lot of my earlier performances, I was a log on the stage, man, because I was still kind of nervous, even though I wasn't nervous, if that makes sense. And I would just kind of stand still and sing into the mic. And when you hear like the track I'll send you, you know, you got a band around me going crazy and having a great time. And I'm just standing in like a tree. And when I see old pictures of myself, I'm like, you got to loosen up, man. Have some fun, you know, jiggle your hips a little bit. Who cares? Um, yeah, but you're young and you know when that kind of stuff goes down like that you know we used to do Sweet Home Chicago where we used to medley we'd start with Pride and Joy and finish in Sweet Home Chicago which the band used to hate because obviously the rhythm changes a little bit it's not exactly yeah. the same blues song so they'd always end up going fuck sake Lee's it's not the same song but I wouldn't I would just start singing Sweet Home Chicago so in the middle of Pride and Joy during the solo I would then go well 101 is 2 and I'd just see the drummer going cock what an asshole. Because they have to change songs right in the middle. Uh, but I was very afraid of math. So I used to do that a lot, like you said. I'd do the one and one, 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 and one is what? Two? And then two and two is four. four. And and then two I, is yeah, because I'd be too, too afraid to say the wrong words and say the wrong math. And then my buddies go, you can't do math. Mate, it happens all the time. We, we all get mental blocks. We all get, we all get little things that, that throw us. And, you know, sometimes... Sometimes some somebody will be doing something in the audience and that'll throw you or, you know, it, it just we we have a guy that comes to watch us called uh, it's called Jason Jin and he follow, follows us all over and we played Clacton and uh, Gareth took a water pistol so when he went out to do the Elwood camp in flip flop and fly he got Jason out from where he was sitting 
shot him in the face with this water pistol. But all the band are pissing themselves, laughing because they can see what's going on. Yeah. I bet the crowd thought, what the fuck are those guys doing? What? <laughs> yeah. You know, he just, just, you know, he, he's picked a random guy out of the audience and shot him with a water pistol and filmed it and put it on social media. But, you know, we, we, we've got some great people that follow the band and, you know, they'll come and every so often we'll, we'll say, look, don't, don't buy any tickets. The tickets are on us because you, you know, we, we do appreciate the support we get from people. So we do, yeah. we do try and look after them. Yeah. And then, I mean, I mean, that probably made his day to be included that way, you know? Um, I mean, hell, a moment like that is how I got involved in wrestling at all because I used to basically go to the shows and shout at all the bad guys because, you know, being born, really? in, being born in the UK, I would see it as like a panto, you know? So the bad guy would yeah. come out and I'd go, boo, and everyone around me would boo. And after a few months of going, you know, you start to kind of get to know the guys in as much as they recognize you. So yeah. I'm outside the one time and I see one of the heels, one of the bad guys, and he says, hey, uh, are you cool? Which I later learned he meant are you kind of in the know as in, do you know this is entertainment? And I kind of said, yeah, yeah, I'm cool. He's like, all right, look, I might include you in a little little something later. Is that all right? I was like, yeah, feel free. So then I'm sitting with about seven of my buddies, none of which know this has occurred. And I still don't know what's happening. I've got a glass of water, a a cup of water in my hand. And this bad guy comes out, walks right in front of us. We're in the front row and we're booing him. And he grabs my water, takes a sip out of it and pours the rest over my head. (laughs) And all my friends were like, oh, Oh shit what's happening uh, and of course i'm cool with it because now i knew what he meant by are you cool man but it was yeah. such a great moment and then of course after the show it's hey man i'm sorry i poured that water on you and me being the guy who went to was a sound engineer i was cheeky enough to go you need to work out that pa system because your music sounds like shit and they said really? if you know how to do better why don't you do it so i said earlier about depending on who didn't show up for work that week the next week, I'm the sound guy running the board for the music show, you know, uh, because I was cheeky enough to go sort that PA system. It wasn't in as much as, hey, man, let me fix that. It was, you got to get somebody to fix that PA because the overall performance is so important to it. I ended oh, up spending years good. with that company just by being cheeky, basically. Look, look beats talent. You've got to be cheeky. You have got to be cheeky and you've got to, you've got to put yourself forward for things like that and you've got to just take your moment and take your chance. Otherwise... You know, you, you, you hear it all the time where people say, oh, I, you know, especially on these talent programs, this is my last chance and this is my... It's just bollocks, you know. You get... I read uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger's um, autobiography on holiday and, you know, that guy got knocked back so many times. He was got... You know, you, you, he got knocked back because of his accent he got knocked back because of his muscles. Mm-hmm. He got knocked back because of his acting. And, you know, he, he went from living in a small Austrian village to being the governor of California and a mega, mega, you know, all-action hero movie star because he wouldn't know to him meant yes. He just, you've just got to take your chance and get on with it and crack yeah. on with it and go for it. Don't ask, don't get, you know? No. I mean, well, I've, I've run out of time, Matt. Okay. Hey, no problem. Look, I'm sorry I kept you so long. I just had so much fun chatting with you. No, it's been great. You know, and any any time, and you know, really remind me about the Bristol. Sorry, not the Bristol thing. Remind me about the charity thing. Yes. And I'll actually, you know, if you if you if you need me to donate something towards it to raffle off, I'm happy to do that. And I'd love to see you in Bristol as well. Yeah. No, I, I Garrett, I will be there. You've got it. Thank you so much. Take care. I will speak with you soon. I'm going to hold you to your word about doing this again because I had a great time.
kid, Ma. All the best, mate. Take care. Bye now. All right, there Bye you bye. have it. Me and Jake Blues, thebluesbrothers.co.uk for upcoming tour dates near you. Don't forget, justgiving.co.uk slash fundraising slash Matt Lee's music if you want to help us out for our Matt Lee's versus music coming up August 31st in Pawnee Pool. That's it. Have a great time. See you next time. Bye-bye.